0: Welcome to actually Best Choice Movies. Uh, I am, well, one of the hosts of this show.
1: My name is Chris Chafin. Hello, Caleb Shively, other host. There's two hosts total. There's two hosts total. Caleb Shively makes two.
0: Uh, I was tripping over my words because I forgot to say that it's the the world's only movie (laughs) podcast. You're listening to Actually Best Choice Movies, the world's only movie podcast. Uh, Every week we tell you about two movies. One of them is old, one of them is new, and uh, they go together in some way, like uh, like pasta and pasta sauce.
1: Oh, yeah, a good, thick... Meaty if you eat meat, non-meat if you don't eat meat. Sauce. You know what? I,
0: I don't. I don't eat meat really, and I like to use the uh, those crumbles. You know those fake meat. Oh, crumbles. sure, sure, sure. That's great. That's I'm glad great they the started sauce.
1: selling those in actual crumble form, like Morningstar has.
0: Right. Instead of having to crumble it yourself yeah, manually. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm sick of doing crumbling myself. Tired of
1: taking fake meat in your hands and rubbing it until it oh crumbles. God, I'm so tired.
0: If, if it's an infomercial, it's me doing that, and there's a big X over me when I finish because I like <laughs> fucking burn the house down. Um, so. So this week on the show we we're talking about two movies like i said were you not listening they are uh baccarat a movie from 2020 yes it's 2020. Uh, well premiered last year well, can, premiered, yeah right. but
1: it's in theater oh it's it's streaming <laughs> oh <now>. yeah
0: we'll <laughs> talk about all this stuff and um the other one is uh john carpenter's assault on precinct 13 which is from what six 70- 1976. 76 i was i was for, gonna say that for the record nice Um, that's all this week on actually best choice movie movies Uh, But before we get to any of that, uh, it's been a crazy week. (laughs) There's a lot to talk about. Um, Can I just get, before I ask you what you were watching, Caleb, can I just say, so obviously we're still in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic. We're all on lockdown. And so we're only able to talk about Baccarat this week because this really cool thing has been happening where uh, lots of distributors and movie theaters have figured out ways to stream new movies um, to your home. Baccarat is kind of an interesting one because they're partnering with uh, movies like, Art house movie theaters all around the country via the distributor of the movie Kino Lorber. Kino Lorber, yeah. And so they're, a percentage of the money is going back to your local art house theater, and but you watch it on Kino Lorber's site. So for us,
1: it was bam. Uh, and this is like a great program. I want to say this yeah, is like fantastic. Uh, uh, and they're updating it. They said they're going to update it frequently enough. Uh, there's another one, uh, the Whistlers. I just got an email about, uh, and you could donate. I'm gonna donate to Alamo through watching the Whistlers, which is a that's cool. Cornelio Pompey Blue movie. Yeah, I like see. Film Forum is doing it now. Yeah, as Film well. Forum has one. Yeah. Um, but
0: so having said that, um, what have you been watching this week, Caleb?
1: Oh, uh, you know what? Honestly, I've been watching so much that it honestly it's been all a blur, especially <laughs> with like. TV shows, I finally started watching The Leftovers, which is good. Oh, you started The Leftovers? Yeah, I just hit season two, which season two theme song hits that flex hard. I don't, I don't
0: remember at all. Oh,
1: okay. Uh, anyway. But it I was good. I watched <laughs>
0: season two until about halfway through, and then I, it was too depressing, and I stopped watching it again, <laughs> which was my problem with
1: the first season, but I eventually powered through. Uh, it's interesting enough. I like character actors uh, and out. Amazing. Yeah, sure. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. But movie-wise, I did stumble onto a fun back-to-back just randomly, I got to watch uh, Jonathan Demme's Married to the Mob. They used to be your friends, now all of a sudden you can't stand them? That makes me look bad. How am I supposed to get ahead in the family, huh? The same way you always have. Lie, cheat, steal, kill.
0: It's very funny. You're a comedian now, huh? I should call Ed McMahon and get you on fucking Star Search.
1: Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer uh, Jonathan Demme It's one of his More slapsticky movies Did you say
0: you got To watch it uh, Like what through, was it
1: Through uh, the, the DVD I get through Netflix Oh interesting <laughs> Interesting And that came in the In the mail it did uh, Make
0: it sound like Somehow you had g- Gotten some I was kind of bl- Unique I was invitation <laughs>
1: The gods shone light on me. Michelle Pfeiffer DM'd on Instagram with a full So length. that is like a uh, comedy so about the mafia, which is like weird to say. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot but, of it. But it's very, it's very 80s. Uh, there's What's a... that one with Michael Keaton they used to show on Comedy Central all the time? It's called
0: like Johnny Dangerously. Oh. Johnny Dangerously. Have you seen this? I have not. It's so fucking bad. It's like a play you would do in high school, but it's a real movie. You shouldn't grab me, Johnny. My mother grabbed me Once. Once. <laughs> You shouldn't hang me on a hook. My father hung me on a hook once. Once. Um, I mean, I used to love it when I was in high school. I'm sure it isn't. Is does it not ma- old? So it's
1: mafia related. It's mafia related. So man. this is uh, 1989. It came out. No, 88. Uh, Married to the Mob came out. John the Demi, great director, amazing director. Uh, and the next morning, I just was slipping through Criterion, and I, they have the works of uh, Susan Seidelman. Uh, who famously did uh, Desperately Seeking Susan, uh, She Devil, which is crazy. They had her movies on Criterion, which is kind of cool. Um, Smithereens is her best movie if you ever want to check it out. But I watched a movie I never heard of that she did called Cookie. Now you two learn to love each other right now! Which is another uh, post mafia comedy. Like it's that same vibe of like it's the late 80s. Uh, this is the daughter of a mafia. Uh, Virtual. So the uh, the head mafia guy is Dean Stockwell. Uh, yeah, from yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's fucking cool. Very good. Like back to back of like here's some mob jokes, but like more so here's the women standing up to the mob in a fun kooky manner. Uh, just a good back to back. I enjoyed. I
0: would just like to tell all our listeners, I just realized for some reason the left-right mix of the microphone recording was all fucked up until just this minute. So So there's
1: that little change you heard. I heard it in my ears.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Now we seem like to be a lot louder. Um, I have seen Married to the Mob, but not for a very long time.
1: It's great. I mean, Demi holds those close-ups really good. It's uh, still a very funny movie. Matthew Modine, who I've never really enjoyed, is pretty great in this movie. I've never seen Married to the Mob. I would just like to interrupt and say I just realized the knob, which I
0: thought was the left-right mix, was in fact the volume knob, and it just happens to be directly underneath the left-right display of the volume, so I turned it back down, (laughs) and I've had this fucking mixer for a year. I already know all this shit, but I just fucked it
1: up somehow. As long as the lights are still blinking. Yeah, we're doing great. We're doing great. But I did, uh, in a drunken high stupor, click around on probably Netflix. Uh, and ended up watching a Steven Spielberg movie I haven't seen before. Oh uh, uh, Steven Spielberg, our uh, father of film, our film daddy. Uh, he... I'm not comfortable with that, with that way of putting Dude, it. Dude, he huh? invented modern cinema. Everyone rips off Spielberg. It... Mm, yeah, but film daddy
0: seems like something he's you have to da- pay someone to say.
1: He, he's your daddy. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I watched really, uh, I a like movie it I, less and less. I haven't seen of him, which is like, wait, uh, I've seen Spielberg movies. What's this Spielberg movie I haven't seen? It's The Adventures of Tintin. I forgot he did that. It's all animated stop motion. It's very it's much not, in the and Valley. It's not Valley. stop motion. It's, Sorry, CGI, yeah, CGI. it's CGI. It's very yeah, much I wish in, it were stop motion. Uh but there is I mean it's fine. It's Spielberg doing a big budget uh but there's an amazing uh one take animated. So it's like kind of a cheating one take, but it's a beautiful one take chase scene uh where they have to outrun a dam breaking times uh, Tintin chasing a bird like a falcon like oh there's like so many logistics they have to like try and pull off in it like he's legit chasing a bird and he has to like go in the sky somehow and he gets launched awesome. and stuff it's a pretty amazing one take shot I mean movie I was it. always
0: a big fan of Tintin when I was a kid when I was a kid they used to show the cartoon versions of the books on Nickelodeon every afternoon at like the same time of day and I was very into watching them and in fact. My love of travel later in life is perhaps because I used to watch Tintin and see all these cool shit, you know, like everywhere around the world. It's been kind of a drag that, you know, Tintin is kind of people decided it was racist and which it is. Obviously, it is racist. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can't really talk about it as much as you used to be able to. But um, the movie is not racist, I'm guessing. No, uh,
1: but they do. Uh, I forget. Is Captain Haddock. They do let him be a serious alcoholic. And it's a kil- children's movie.
0: And like I mean, even make good. jokes
1: about it. Like he is a raging alcoholic um, to a point where like they sober him up and it's like he has huge withdrawal problems. It's great.
0: Um, maybe but, just because of when, when I grew up in history, but I love chil- characters in children's media, drinking and smoking. Yeah. I think that's great. Like all those Goofy cartoons from the 50s where Goofy is like smoking a bunch of cigarettes. Like yeah. that's cool. Yeah, I was, it was like when I Goofy like got
1: hiccups. He had a very good hiccup.
0: <laughs> yes, that was very, I was actually very good, at Caleb. <laughs> Um, is
1: that it or what else have you been watching? Uh, I've, that's enough for me.
0: Yeah. So like you were saying, everyone's locked in their houses, It's the world is falling apart. But at the same time, it's like everyone is, it's very wholesome. I saw this article today that was basically saying the quarantine is like enforced wholesomeness because you have to stay at home with your family and cook meals and look after your own children. <laughs> so it's like, every, this is what everyone is doing all the time. So yeah. I'm, am I spending a lot of time at home watching TV? Yes. Yes, definitely. Um, as far as movies, the only movie I really watched was I uh, rewatched the Farewell, which Catherine had not oh, seen. Oh, Is it streaming somewhere? Or did you rent it? It's on Amazon right now for free. Oh, sick! On Amazon Prime. But uh, so that was she liked it a lot more than she expected to, uh, which was great
1: movie. It's great, yeah. Yeah,
0: She, you know, I think she's heard a lot of hype about it and was thought maybe it wouldn't be that good, or she thought it would be like super, super sad. Which on that point, so uh, it's one of those films. At least I found watching it again. The first time I saw it in the movie theater, everyone was losing their shit, laughing constantly throughout the movie, Uh, and so I think it's hilarious. And I think that's what I said on the show. Watching it again at home with Catherine, it was like a lot of the stuff that was I thought of as being jokes are kind of just sad, you sure, know? Like, yeah. It's funny, because I had exactly the same experience with her watching uh, Taika Waititi's Boy, where, like, the first time I had seen that, it was in a room full of people, and everyone was dying laughing. And it is a funny movie, but watching it again with someone who is, like, from New Zealand, it was just like, oh, yeah, this is, like, what poor people are like in New Zealand. <laughs>
1: like, oh, yeah, this is, like, really sad, actually. Yeah, except, and it, was, it, ex- it, it accepts a certain reality that, like, it is funny, but, like, once you accept it, like, no, it's funny because, like, it's so sad. Like it, it, it accepts its truth so much of its sadness that it can it offers. And confident enough but from these very confident filmmakers. Are you talking about both movies? Both movies, or, Taiki yeah, Whitey yeah. and Lulu Wang. Did you call
0: him Taiki Whitey? Taiki? Ta- ta- like? ta- How do I say it? It's Taika Waititi.
1: Taika Waititi. Taiki
0: Whitey. Taiki Whitey. <laughs> Taiki Whitey's, Whitey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but so that was good, and I was glad to have done that.
1: I think I'm the only person I know who I'm a fan of. Uh, Aquafina's is Nora from Queens.
0: I haven't watched it. Uh,
1: it's such a fucking stoner show, Something man. Something about the... Dude. Just the
0: ads were annoying to me. It I it can't is, explain it.
1: The way it's like drawn, uh, it's like has... It, Animated interstitials. it's very broad city, but where broad city was based on the friendship and that was original. This is just like straight up Cheech and Chong shit. Like she is crazy stoner in this. It's so good. Really? Like, yeah, I watched one the first one sober. Like, oh, this is fine. And then the more I watched it, it's like, oh, let I'm gonna get high for this because I know she's a stoner. Like it, it's like a good laugh along, dumb jokes type stuff. Uh it really picks up when the other characters start to build up, uh, because she's still just a goofy lead character. Uh Bowen Yang's in it, uh BD Wong is in it. Uh, That's cool, very, very man. good. Uh, Just wanted to shout out that show because I think it's good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, speaking of shows, so obviously we've been watching a lot of TV. We're watching this new show, Devs, that's on an FX show, which I highly recommend. I think it's very good.
1: Alex Garland.
0: Alex Garland, right, exactly, and it stars uh, Allison Pill and Ron Swanson, weirdly. But Ron Swanson is very good in this show. Uh, Nick Offerman, right, a, of course. He's a very solid actor. He's a solid actor. But, you know, I'm actually rewatching Parks and Rec right now also from the beginning, and we're on season three, I think. When and it, it gets really good. It's funny to remember, like, what a big deal that show was and it, kind of how the culture around it was so, like, embarrassing, kind of. Like I was talking about this with Caleb yesterday, but you know, I, this is a kind of a complicated story. But basically, I, I follow a comedian on Twitter who said her and her friends were playing Quiplash. This game where you make jokes, and they were playing in character as norms, like normal people. And one of the prompt was something like something you'd never expect, and they had written uh, Ron Swanson to say no to bacon. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, that was like mainstream culture for like three years. Like that was that was pretty lame. Like, but the show is good. The show is good. But it's funny to be watching them both at the same time. Anyway, Devs is a great show. <laughs> I think it's maybe gonna be one of these shows where uh it has a lot of questions and it's less satisfying to have the answers than it is to have the questions. But sure. it, maybe
1: at the same time it has a plan where it's going. I don't know. He's a uh, Alex Garland uh wrote uh and directed, excuse me, uh Annihilation anala- an- an- anah- and uh Ex Ex-mahina. Machina. So these
0: are two ex machina, Caleb refuses to talk like a normal person you're right he uh i'm pronouncing
1: it uh pseudo correctly
0: sure yeah that's sure but yeah so those
1: are both great movies
0: and so i'm very and i think that the show is great don't get me wrong i love it i love it but i do wonder is it going to resolve in a way that makes sense um which speaking of that the other thing i've been into like was is westworld season three which is on right now so like after three episodes that's
1: where we're at Yeah, three episodes. We're at three episodes.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So season one, I watched and it was like, okay, all right. I mean, I was into it. But by the end, I was kind of like, okay, what the fuck is happening? And then season two, I watched four episodes, maybe. And I was like, this doesn't make any fucking sense. The show is like completely off the rails. And I have never watched the rest of it. But I've been seeing all the ads for it. And it's got Jesse Pinkman in it. And like future cars are blowing up. And I'm like, okay, this looks kind of fun. So I've been watching it, and it's like about half and half at this point. I would say like some of it is good, and some of it is like needlessly complicated nonsense that doesn't make any sense at all. You know, Uh,
1: I like it better than season two already. And so again, we're like three episodes in, but yeah, yeah, it's a very more straightforward. They have uh, clear stakes so far,
0: and you can kind of tell like who is good and who is bad, Mm -hmm. and like kind of you know, and Uh, like what different people want. Also, there's an app in the show that's like Uber for crime. (laughs) It's very like GTA. It's very like a GTA thing that would exist. Uh, and it's like a woman in a Pussy Riot mask and like underwear <laughs> who's like uh, saying I, like get that money. Which is like, I like it dumb. despite
1: uh, Aaron Paul's character being named Caleb. Like it usually know, it, yeah. it's, it's it throws me off, but
0: it's because it doesn't I, happen I that
1: it. often, right? No, so when it does, it's like ah oh, fuck
0: this, <laughs> it's too much for you. <laughs> yeah, so like judgment TBA, but uh, it's been reasonably enjoyable so far. I think the second episode was bad, but the first episode was pretty
1: was so, really good. Yeah. Yeah. It was a May 2nd episode. But yeah, uh, this is a TV talk with actually best choice movies. Yeah, so enough of this bullshit. Um, <laughs>
0: the first movie we're going to talk about this week is 2019/2020's Bacural. Guys, <laughs>
1: we're Nós <laughs> to look at Bacural no mapa, right? Ué, era para estar aqui.
0: Cadet Bacural. Going into Baccarat, I didn't know much more than that it was some kind of Brazilian political satire and starred, or so I thought, longtime genre character actor Udo Kier, right? So this is what basically what I knew about it. Um, so imagine my surprise when I started the film and spent an hour watching a charming humanistic character study of life in the Brazilian outback, a dry, arid place that's often called the the Wild West of Brazil. Um, the titular village where the movie takes place, Bacarau, is what they call a Quilombo, which is a com- uh, community historically created by runaway slaves. Uh, which we're introduced to as a young woman. Teresa returns for her mother's funeral. Her mother's kind of the matriarch of the town and Teresa's left town, but is coming back. Um, So we open with her on a truck. going down this uh, empty road, going back to town. But appropriately enough, the first things we see are empty coffins and a dead body. In Baccarat, we meet people who are in some ways just a collection of stock characters for any Western. There's a sexy outlaw, a wise old teacher, a corrupt politician, a drunken doctor, and even like a cartoonish house of prostitutes. But at the same, time, the film does a good job of making these archetypes seem like real people, more or less, um, who we come to know and care about by the time about literally about an hour into the movie that um, like wild horses run through the streets, which is the beginning of a series of violent confrontations. So for the rest of the movie, basically, the village is pitted against a group of Americans who are very interested in killing all of them. And I do want to talk in more detail about this later, Caleb, but it's mysterious as to who they are, or what their motivations are. But in a certain sense, it doesn't matter. Because um, the rest of the movie plays out as a kind of traditional invasion or zombie movie where there's an, like this kind of unstoppable force of death that everyone in the community has to band together to fight off uh it manages to mix genres like western horror you know slice of life while also tackling issues like imperialism inequality resource scarcity corruption drug addiction maybe even like a critique of the war in afghanistan and influencer culture possibly (laughs) um it's not a perfect film definitely it has its share of like confusing scenes and muddled plotting i often said to myself, wait, who is this? And why is this happening? And then I thought I would figure it out. And then five minutes later, I'd be like, Oh, no, I was wrong. It's actually this. Um, It's but it's certainly an interesting, and I would say mostly very well realized film. Uh, Caleb, what did you think about this movie?
1: Yeah, uh, so all these ideas of anger are there and present. And I think that's very cool. Uh, And it has this almost like Hip righteous anger to it, yeah. Uh, But like this inequality, yeah. But yeah, totally. The movies, it's like so spastic and all over the place. Uh, It's just so drastic and different. Uh, And like they they smooth over it with some pretty cool music choices. Like the score is kind of cool. They do a lot. uh, uh, There's a weird song drop to open the movie. Uh, And there's a little bit of a winkingness to the to to the. It just makes it easier to go down. Like it's like a winking type humor they have to every proceeding about it and all that you just set up good senses of dread but yeah it's like you said starts off very beautiful uh established how it's almost like a socialist paradise no one has a lot but what they do have they do share and they're
0: also happy and you see like an old man say to a bunch of children like make the most of life while you have it and it doesn't sound ominous at the time it just sounds like a
1: beautiful piece of wisdom and they even introduce early on uh, an antagonist mayor character who they all hate uh, this mayor comes in and like literally dumps a bunch of books <laughs> yeah, of a and, gives, truck, yeah. and then gives them shitty medicine.
0: It's really funny because the scene, so they, you, you see the inhabitants of Baccarat like on the walkie-talkies with each other and they're like, oh, the mayor's coming. Like everybody has to get ready. The mayor's coming. They all hide. And yeah. you imagine what they're, they're going to do is like be there to greet him. But in fact, they all hide and <laughs> re- they refuse to come out until he leaves. <laughs> they do eventually start screaming at him to fuck off. Yeah, that's like, kind of cool. It's that's really
1: like, w- not what I expected, you know? And it's like stuff like that it like trickles in like you said like the town disappears off the map and they go look at it on google maps and can't find it uh so like the weird stuff starts trickling in and then uh, but
0: wait but wait before we get to i mean really like <laughs> we were talking about how I mean, we were talking about how the how humanistic and how like oh yeah you know the first half of the movie is it is like a completely different movie it's from like the second half it's like a tourist video almost it's beautiful yeah it's i i was trying to come up with like a good it's like if elmodovar directed el mariachi <laughs> it's like <laughs> what this movie is like
1: uh, even on budget. Um, yeah. Uh, I like, I like the f- f- opening. Uh, it just really gets you, I don't know, bonded with the village and like how nice and serene everything is. You learn like, who's mm-hmm. a, like who's a drunk,
0: who's like breaking the law, who like is hooking up with who, like, you know, you see people mm-hmm. take care of their children mm-hmm. and.
1: But it like leaves a bunch of like weird little crumb trails around, like, uh, cr- bread crumb trails around. Uh, they established that this one older guy, uh, has a top 10 video, uh, right. but they don't really necessarily say what it is, but the he's sexy like the
0: outlaw. They say there's a top 10 video of him and we don't, but we don't know of <laughs> him doing what he, we, we know. He's an outlaw and we know we he's
1: ashamed of the video too. Right, yeah,
0: <laughs> And so we don't find out until the sort of the very <laughs> yeah. beginning of the second half that the video is of him murdering <laughs> yeah. people. It's, it's also this movie is set like slightly in the future, but Oh yeah, right. they
1: do say uh, they, that's what exactly what they say is set years from now yeah right <laughs> exactly they,
0: they don't really specify mm-hmm. but like yeah they, we find we come to find out that this video is of him just like shooting people in the head it's like <laughs> security camera footage he's like a famous assassin or something i've read some review that said he was like killing people for the cause quote unquote i didn't get a sense of that i just uh, felt I like he I, was an assassin i don't know you know uh,
1: he was at first with like the other guy uh, we'll get into it but yeah there was like a group that they had to convince at the end that he used to be a part of to oh help God. him out. Well, we can talk about it right now. Oh, so yeah.
0: Part of it is, so there's this outlaw who lives in town. He's a sexy outlaw. He has sex with this woman I was talking about, Teresa, before. Um, and then once things start getting, like, pretty crazy, which we can talk about that, they say, oh, we're, we're going to need the help of these, like, real outlaws. And this is, we've heard about these outlaws, like, on the news, about them, like, having guns and storming dams and stuff. That's it's
1: very good casting, a guy with long hair
0: And so we go, they have to go out to like a disused water treatment plant or something (laughs) to like beg for help from these outlaws. And I would just like to say the outfit that one of them was wearing, um, hold on a second. His name is Lunga. Lunga? Right, Lunga. Yeah, he has a bleached yellow mullet, which goes halfway down his back, purple hammer pants of like fake silk, a yellow rope belt, huge combat boots, and no shirt. So he basically looks like like a GI Joe character <laughs> like and somebody does when he first walks into the scene one of the people in Baccarat goes, nice outfit. <laughs> it's just like yeah. you're like yeah, it is a pretty fucking nice outfit.
1: And he's only in there for like the last 30 minutes of the movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, although he's a very important yeah. in that part.
1: Um I so when the movie starts getting weird I like they did kind of a a signifier to like switch it and it's these two let's I'll say white people uh, right, yeah. motorcycle in, and they're wearing the most garish, over-the-top colored outfits. So it's like, like already motocross just like... motocross outfits. Yeah, right? motocross outfits, like blue and yellow mixed right. with... So yeah.
0: it's like, first these wild horses run through, and they're like, oh, that's from so-and-so's farm. Mm-hmm. And then the water truck comes in, and it's
1: got bullet holes yeah. in
0: it. And then immediately afterwards, these motorcycle people show <laughs> so up Like So we're experiencing
1: a serene, calm, everyone's dressed in, like, tattered clothes movie. And then just this zooms in. It's like, oh, okay, this movie's... These people are important, and yeah,
0: and you're like, what is going on? And it's funny because they they are like very white Brazilian people, and they look so fucking stupid. Oh yeah, they come from Sao Paulo. They're getting like um, harassed by everyone in town who's like, you don't know anything about these bullet holes. Like you guys don't know anything about these bullet holes. And they seem genuinely scared. And you're kind of you kind of start to be like, yeah, obviously, like these people had nothing to do with it. And these the people in Bacoraw are being insane to them. Like I would be scared out of my mind if this was happening to me. <laughs> um, but then you find out like,
1: <laughs> yeah, not and true. then yeah. they, uh, do, a, they do murder. And then that leads to introducing us to, uh, the next group of murders, which you alluded to right. led by Udo Kier, whose character's name is Michael.
0: Right. So then it's like, we sort of cut from via these two characters. We sort of follow them back to their base. And then we're in this, a completely different movie where Udo Kier is there. Everyone is speaking English and they're everyone is extremely racist, like to the point where they start. They start saying, like, like, there's all these Americans around the table who are, like, some of them are, like, military people. Some of them are, like, hot girls. And they they start yelling at the Brazilian people about whether or not they're white. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're like, you're not white. Like, oh, are you white? And this scene goes on for a while about whether or not they're white. And then they somebody kind of tells them to stop uh, doing it. But then, like, so to spoil this movie a little bit, like, it's like they all the white people have these earpieces in their ears, and all of a sudden they start, they all, like, touch their earpieces and look at each other, and then they stand up and they kill these two Brazilian people who had been, like, the, in the crazy motorcycle outfits. But it is never revealed ever in the movie, like, what they are hearing on those headsets at all and, like, what they could have heard over them that would have made them kill these two people. But it was, like, it did seem like they were all surprised by it and that they, it was like they had no choice but to do what they did, but... Did you have a read on this? Like, what the fuck was going on in this
1: scene? Uh, I don't know. That maybe they do have some advanced technology, as they have a drone that does a lot of research right, they have a for drone them. Also, yeah, that so, looks like a UFO. Yeah. Uh, so they might have had like some weird surveillance of it, but I don't know. Uh, I took it as uh, they're either a uh militia which does track uh, like super racist uh people with bloodlust, or they're just like again, this is the future, and that's where the, fu- the that future part comes in, like. Here's what could happen in the near future of like this weird dystopia. Uh, it but I mean, a... specifically,
0: why did they shoot those two oh, people? Uh, like, what? Like, because what... they
1: weren't because they because they were from Brazil. Because they. But it, yeah. it did
0: seem like they heard something on their earpieces. Like, did it did it read that way to you? Yeah, or it did, I it did like
1: they uh, they had something that like set them off in their ear. But then it...
0: we we have no idea ever what that could have been, right?
1: Yeah, it might have been one of them. Uh, like they got the okay from like even Michael said something. But he was in the room he... with them, I think. Yeah, he might have just like said something into the walk. I don't know.
0: Yeah, no, but it's very mysterious, yeah. but yeah, more largely. So it's this group of people and like, I found all of this very mysterious. Yeah. So we're talking about the movie has these political themes. And even before we get to this point, right, there's this corrupt mayor who's giving them like spo- spoiled food and like weird books they don't want for some reason.
1: Medicine that doesn't work. Yeah. Medicine that doesn't
0: work. And um, then we're talking, thinking about inequality and who's a real criminal and, you know, blah, 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 all this stuff. Um, And so then we get to this, this part with the American group, right? Yeah, they're
1: a- all, uh,
0: like, six six or so? Yeah. Like. Yeah. And it's like, sometimes they seem like they're in the military. Like, there's one scene where they're all in kind of a tent and they all have, like, military-style cots and several of them are wearing military-style uniforms. But then they don't wear those uniforms ever again and they didn't previous to that. Also, the movie goes to great lengths so that Udo Kir keeps saying the jobs that these people have, because you might think like, oh, these are rich people who are here. This movie's about inequality, and they're here to hunt these. Yeah, and like then they, they do were... call themselves hunters at some point. But then when Udo Kir is saying their jobs, he's like, oh, you're a prison guard and you're a teacher. So they they shouldn't be rich people. And it's like it's pointing that out to you on purpose. And then at some point, some of the characters say like, oh, I didn't sign up for this. Or another one says like. It's for our mission, and, and and also at one point it seems like they say something about the people in the village being criminals. Like it's just it's literally just like one line. So my question is, what the f- actual yeah. fuck is going on? Like, who are these people supposed to be? Or do, or do they not, do they think uh, they're there like, to do one thing, and they're actually they're doing something else? It might be else?
1: like a chat room meetup group that like, hey, I found, uh, let's go to Brazil. Uh, like, there's this one, uh, one character uh, blatantly says. Uh, uh, how he has so much hatred for his ex-wife. So that's why he's down there to take out, to murder somebody else because he hates his ex-wife so much. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> and it's just a very mysterious, and I wouldn't bring it up in it because I don't, I mean, who gives a shit about like, it's a plot hole or whatever. Like, it's just the story that it's telling. The My problem with this is that it... it I think it makes the message of the movie muddled because I don't know if it's supposed to be about inequality or imperialism. There or is... Like like I said, influencer culture, because one of them, the woman seems like she's some kind of influencer or something like she's like, I don't know. I, I don't know why I get that vibe from her, but like I to me, it seemed like she was portrayed like that. And I'm just like, well, what exactly is this a satire of? And if it's all of that, I think you could do that. But it's it's mysterious in this way that it just it distracted me from what was happening in the movie. You know, uh,
1: it read to me as like uh, a critique on American entitlement. Like these all entitled people come, uh, see a small village and want to like overtake it. And it's also uh, like they allude to like it's their mission or they signed up for it. Like it, I kind of got a sense that they were like I don't know. Uh, like, they paid for the right to do it. They have, like, a certain right to do it. It's like their capitalistic instinct turned into, like, bloodlust, which is, I don't know, pretty apt for uh, American entitlement. Yeah, I mean,
0: I, I definitely see that. But then I thought it was going to be more like, right, like, these are rich people. Yeah,
1: they're then, not rich. They're just like uh, they're Fox News watchers, yeah.
0: Yeah, they're just, right, they're just like Fox News watchers who get to go down and murder people. Yeah, it's
1: like uh, your racist uncle uh, getting the opportunity, like, hey, you want to— we have guns. Uh, we, we know this place where it's, we're not going to get caught. There's no one around. We could go <laughs> and kill. They found a perfect village to go I mean, stock. So, and
0: the, and you're given to understand that they do this all the time. Like Udo Kira is like the tour guide for this. And he has done this like many, many oh, yeah, times. Yeah. He know? did seem
1: like, yeah, like a ringleader who was just like, he's over these people. Like he even like, he even kills one of them. that <laughs> Yeah, he kills one of them.
0: But it's weird because some of them seem like they don't really want to be killing people. And you're like... Well, what is there's going like, on? Yeah, are they? Do weird... they have to be doing this for some reason, mm-hmm. or like?
1: Yeah, the, the, there's lines they draw. Like one is okay with killing a child. Like I am not. That's one that I didn't sign up for. This comes when he's actually. Said, I didn't sign up for killing a child. Which right, is
0: one of them does the kill a child, and the other one is mad about. Mm-hmm. it.
1: Uh, but as we're talking about them, we establish that they're just a bunch of racists who are trying right. to kill, I mean, right. and they do kill a they kill a child. They kill a couple other people, uh, but then like the big climax is like these six people come. They're like. Plan their whole trip, and they go against the village, and that's pretty cool. It's the last like thirty minutes, yeah, 20, like 30 minutes of the last movie.
0: Thirty minutes of the movie it's, is just like and and so the, another, it's very good. Yeah. <laughs> so another thing about this movie is um I've read interviews with the directors whose names I didn't say. I'm sorry. So the writers and directors. Oh no, I guess it's just the directors are Juliano Dornelles and Kleber Mendoza Filho. I'm sure I said that wrong. Anyway, so I read a, an interview with they gave to Film Comment where they were talking about how um, there's often an idea that people who live in these rural villages are simple people. And they said, even, you know, we see this in, uh, if you make a film about this part of the world, in the film festival, the uh, program will say, like, a, a touching portrait of simple people. And they're like, we really didn't like this. Like, people who live in these places, there's no reason to think they're dumber or, you know, mm-hmm. more trusting That's or beautiful. whatever than anyone else. so really the people of Baccarat, that's kind of one of the animating ideas of it. So the people of Baccarat are very smart and savvy and they're constantly running into people who are underestimating them, whether it's the mayor uh, or whether it's this group of Americans, right? There's just seems to be this idea that like they're just going to lay down and take it. But the people are very organized. They're very driven and they're very intelligent, even though they are like, you know, poor and they're living out in the, in the like, you know, outback and they don't have a lot of material possessions. They're very like, with it so first we see them responding to this like charity from the mayor where they are very intelligently and capably running through everything he brought and why you should or shouldn't use it and then when the time comes that like the fucking band of murderers is coming to town the murderers think they're just gonna like roll into town and murder everyone and indeed they have killed many people up to that point but then it's like you know as you might expect they run into kind of like a home alone situation right (laughs) Uh, where, yeah, it's more of a like they are getting the shit kicked out of them by the people in the village, which is great. It's really fun to watch, you know? <laughs> Sorry. Do you have anything? Else? I realize I was monologuing. <laughs> yeah, <but> you were. <laughs> I think
1: Caleb was just checking his email or something. No, I was uh, checking something else. <laughs> <laughs> Home loan is kind of a good, weird, apt comparison. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why. I just really thought that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is. It's a Home Alone. It's yeah. totally a Home Alone. Uh, the movie ends very well. Uh, it, uh, as l- uh, listeners know, I have a strong bloodlust. It did satiate my bloodlust.
0: I mean, there are literally people covered in blood. Yeah.
1: Uh, there's some scalping's going on. A lot. I was no sh-
0: beheadings. I would say not scalping. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, and uh, it's kind of like the tense builds up, but it never really like boils over, and it's almost a weird happy end. <laughs> <laughs> if this movie allows itself
0: to have one it is kind of a happy ending it is yeah um not to spoil it or whatever also i will just say one of my favorite parts is there's a scene with Udo Kier where he is talking about the things we're talking about the different jobs that people have and stuff and he goes
1: this world is upside down <laughs> i just
0: thought that was so fucking good
1: yeah the rhythm of this movie like we said it's pretty like tonally drastic uh and it moves quick set points but for the most part, it moves pretty slow. Like, there's, I think my favorite scene is like, uh, these kids are kind of playing, uh, playing a game where like one puts the flashlight down and that's the farthest he goes, and the other one's like, I could go that farther, uh, and because it's like they heard a monster or something, uh, and that's the scene where it ends with one of the kids being killed. Come on, I know. It's so <laughs> it, fucking it's rough. It's played so slow. It's like that you know what's going to happen, like something, bad's something bad. You know yeah. for
0: sure something bad is going to happen. It's like you're just waiting, and you're just like on the edge of your seat. Because the thing is, like, it's so sad because the kids are playing a game where normally you act like you're in danger, but you're not in danger really at all. But as the audience, you know, like, yes, one of these kids is going to be killed. <laughs> it's not a joke that they're in danger. Like, they are in danger. And then it's actually very similar to a movie we're going to talk yes, about. It, John uh, Carpenter. There actually is
1: a nice little anecdote about that, which we, I'll tell, uh, but... Assault on Precinct 13
0: Yeah, Assault on Precinct 13 Oh, you just want to move along? Yeah, let's do Let's it. get into it Assault on Precinct 13 Assault on Precinct 13 Assault on Precinct 13 It's terror in the night It's the most shattering assault on a police station
1: in history Assault on Precinct 13 This is the siege It's a goddamn siege You want to stay here and hold until somebody comes Okay? We're in the middle of a city, inside a police station. Written, directed, scored, and edited by a then 28-year-old John Carpenter, Assault on Precinct 13 was made for under $100,000, a low-budget exploitation film with somewhat low expectations. But within those confines of budget and genre, we get to see the halicine days of a young master at work. The plot is pretty basic. A street gang's killing spree ends up at a police precinct which is set to be closed at n- that night, where they run into the, hey, I'm new at this cop, and a badass enough convict, plus an assortment of other characters. Carpenter definitely uses widescreen shots and an almost sadistic lack of camera-winking or humor to build these tense moments of horror and very long and grim action set pieces, uh, often cited as a pre-action movie action movie, one that preys upon the audience's fears of an unmotivated attack, Assault on Precinct 13 was remade in 2005 with Ethan Hawke and Lawrence Fishburne, which we won't be talking about because I, and I don't think Chris has never even seen it. No. But no, Chris, no. let's talk about this assault.
0: Assault on Precinct 13. Yeah, it's a very interesting movie. So the parallel we were talking about just then is uh, out, of, basically out of nowhere or, you know, it's, there's a, it's a scene with a lot of dread, but you don't know exactly what's going to happen. A person... Um, emotionlessly with a silencer shoots a kid in the chest and kills him. So both of those things happen mm-hmm. in, in Baccarat
1: and in this so film, let's talk about that scene real quick to just to jump ahead. Uh, it's an ice cream truck scene. Uh, the girl, little girl goes back to like, I ordered vanilla twist. This is regular vanilla. And then Sean, it, seen it, this it, girl it, do a million it's cute things. so drastic. And that is a very, uh, it was so controversial at the time. And this is a very cool thing. Uh, some research I did about this movie that I loved, uh, So it was going to get the assault on pre-613 was going to get an X rating specifically for that scene of killing a child innocently like that. So they knew that. So he sent them the cut uh, and he cut that scene out, got the R. This is John Carpenter sent it to the MPA rating. Uh, They got the R, but did not send the cut with uh, he left the ice cream scene in when he sent it to the movie theaters, oh my god! <laughs> so he just like said, "Fuck you guys!" to that. That's pretty funny. That's how he got out. Of, that's how he got out of an X-ray. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yeah.
0: So that's actually one of a couple of connections between John Carpenter and this and uh, Baccarat like so that scene is like obviously a direct homage I would say yeah. and then also there's a scene where it's kind of like a it's just it's kind of one of the many like lyrical montages in the movie um, there some people are doing capoeira which apparently spontaneously happened on set it wasn't planned and the directors sort of had that feeling you have when you see somebody do something that's very stereotypical to your group, but also something that is true. So they were kind of like, oh, people doing Capoeira, I don't know. But then they were like, well, I don't know, it fits in the movie. And so they ended up keeping it in and putting on some John Carpenter music over it. He's put out like basically one album of regular music that this is they used in that scene. <laughs> those are some direct connections and also i would just say the general vibe of being like a cheap action movie with some other something mm-hmm. else going on or
1: even right? like how uh the first half of the movie is all set up set up set up hinting towards uh dread and then right. dred- the dread happens
0: yeah so it's very interesting right so the movie basically starts with a bunch of gang members getting gunned down we see it's this very kind of weirdly artfully shot where you're just seeing there the gang members are in a darkened alley and And we're, the police officers are above them with shotguns. And you just see the hands holding the shotguns, like the tops of the walls of the alley and the, gang members dying you know and then you hear like a news report about it that makes it sound like they're like oh a gun battle with gang members and you're like it just was a bunch of people in the dark getting murdered right yeah. so right away you're kind of like oh this fucking sucks and then we c- again I would say like background there are parts of it that doesn't make sense exactly like we cut to the gang members carving something they go what I think they say is six isn't that what they It say? looks like
1: an a I couldn't tell what they were carving. but I think
0: they say six and yeah. then they start carving in their arms with switchblades like really intensely and then they're filling like a container with blood Um, and then we sort of just go back to this like policeman who's going about his day and like he's been assigned to go to this precinct that's closing to help them close up and like look after it for the night. And then, right, a million other things happen that lead to this insane, violent confrontation. Oh, and also there's a, some uh, convicts who end up with them because they're— uh,
1: One got sick while well, they are transporting, so they, so stop, they had to right? st- stop at the only precinct they could, that was close by, which was this one being closed down.
0: Well, it's very interesting, like er, an example of an early action movie, though, right, Caleb?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, so this was 1976. So this was cited as uh, connecting from like more cop-action-oriented violent movies of the 80s— from uh, Westerns, and John Carpenter uh, almost directly lifted the plot of this from a movie called uh, Rio Bravo, which was a Howard oh, sure, yeah. Ho- Rio Ho- uh, Howard Hawks film from 59. Uh, that was with John Wayne and Dean Martin. They were a sheriff and a deputy. They were fighting off a gang trying to free the boss in prison. Oh, my rifle, my pony, and me. Combine that with uh, another uh, late '60s movie uh, that we've talked about on the ABC podcast, uh, *Night of the Living Dead*. Oh, sure, uh, which yeah. is an amazing movie. It uh, is like *Night of the Living Dead*, right? Yeah, he said he definitely he lifted. Uh, he wanted his uh, the street gang, which is called uh, they're named Street Thunder. <laughs> tight, uh, tight. He, he wanted them to be uh, have no have no real dialogue. Uh, they just he just wanted to be relentless and deliberate. As they like and seemed uh numerous, where they just attacked this precinct, right? There's Uh, like
0: a limitless number of them, mm. and like the night of the living dead, there's a lot of scenes of them just like breaking through doors or windows and just like arms Mm -hmm. coming through and people just shooting and trying to stop Mm -hmm. them. Like, it's very similar to that, very
1: similar to that, but they do die, and there is so much blood in this movie, and also like. Light Night of the Living Dead. They're also slow. They're oddly They're slow. slow. Oh, <laughs> There's true. a guy where I just straight up outruns them to get to the precinct. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is true. They were chasing. And he's not even supposed to be a cop. He's just like a dad. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> and, the dad of the kid to get to. Yeah, he just ru- outruns like six gang members to get to the police <laughs> station, which is pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, so this is, correct me if I yeah, if I say anything wrong, but this is John Carpenter's second movie after Halloween.
1: Uh no, this was before Halloween. Oh, it was before Halloween. Yeah, Halloween was '78. Uh, this is after Dark Star, which was '74. Oh, okay. Which uh, he had a big falling out with the co-writer of that movie. Uh, he always says Assault was his first movie because it was he did it more solo. It was his mm. film. I read a little bit of an interview. I forget the guy's name who he did Dark Star, but he, the guy from Dark Star hated Assault so much, <laughs> and he said like he put that in there because he hates me. Like <laughs> he was uh, he did the you're so vain
0: that's pretty funny i mean i'm sure he's right though i'm sure he's right probably yeah um but it's interesting because like right john carpenter has made a lot of horror films right so this movie is not a horror movie but it it, at the same time it is a horror movie i mean it's very much like a john carpenter movie right
1: it's super fucking tense it's Uh, very
0: tense like you're saying the the bad guys are limit numberless and relentless mm -hmm. and they they even say at one point they don't even care if they die
1: you know yeah uh and he there's Uh, He does this with Halloween, too. Uh, There's hardly any moments of, like, you're relieved. It's always just, like, it's about to happen. It's about to happen. It's tense, Uh,
0: yeah. And it's in, like, real time, basically, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's like, over the course of, like,
1: uh, the movie's an hour and a half. It's probably... Even, like, the the first uh, maybe, like, 45 minutes of the movie, they even put a clock up of, like, now it's 7 o'clock. Now it's uh, so-and-so o'clock. But, But like, the last half is, like, yeah, probably, like, two hours. Yeah,
0: like, once the assault (laughs) starts, it's, like... It's not exactly in real time, but it's mm-hmm. close.
1: He just knows exactly what to show you. Uh, he had a very uh, good sense of, like, okay, this is what is uh, going to work for me right now. Uh, I think the uh, only sense of relief we do get is the heroism of the characters. Yeah, right. Uh, and so it's Assault on Precinct Thirteen. There is probably really like, I don't know, like nine, ten people there at the when the gang comes. Four of them survive, <laughs> but there's four. Yeah. Are the hero? Uh, well, three of them are the heroes. Yeah, one of them. And they're is, all great. Yeah, yeah. It's
0: convicted murderer, Napoleon uh, uh, Wilson, Napoleon, Napoleon Wilson, who yeah. always <laughs> asks for a cigarette. He's obviously smart, <laughs> but a real son of a bitch. And uh, yeah, and uh, the lead character, the lead right?
1: character, the cop, who uh, it's his first night out. Why does everyone always know that? Um, <laughs> and this is kind of powerful too. Uh, he is a black man, and uh, the convict is a, a white, a white man, guy. Right? Yeah, which is interesting. Uh, right? And they do work together to. To uh, he he saves uh, the convict's life, uh, and the convict repays him by helping him kill off these people, and that's like the only relief we get is like their slow build of a friendship, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the other hero hero of the show heroine, uh, mm. the drug. Uh, I forget I don't know the actress's name but I believe her character's name was Lee. She's a secretary and she gets yeah, her shot. Her name is
0: Lori Zimmer, the actress. Zimmer, She's yeah. actually so good in this movie. I looked Very her up. Good, she, yeah. she didn't really do much else besides this movie. Yeah, I, these, I, I movie.
1: looked her up a little bit too. There's actually a movie called Where would You Go Lori Zimmer.
0: <laughs> I mean cuz she if you see her in this her like she has an amazing screen presence. Her voice is fantastic. Obviously it's a low budget movie so I'm sure they weren't doing like a lot of hair and makeup for her but she looks fantastic. Yeah. And and she's like acting very well in this action movie. It was uh, I thought she was. Really she's great.
1: not a damsel in distress. She's in distress, and she's a damsel. She like shoots people in the head yeah. with a revolver. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's fucking uh, awesome. So she, yeah, she survives at the till the end. Uh, the other secretary doesn't. She yeah gets a nice speech about it. But uh, yeah, she even gets shot and still like, like oh man, let's get you to, at the end of the like, Man, let's get you to the hospital. Like, and she just refuses medical yeah. attention They're, after
0: she gets shot. They go oh you've been shot. Uh, like how is it? And she goes hurts like hell, and I can't move it. Which is just like <laughs> such a fucking hard bitten thing to say. Like I loved it.
1: <laughs> it's badass. Shout out in John Carpenter's score, and this is a very early John Carpenter score. It's uh,
0: I heard it was his first movie. <laughs> uh,
1: synth, synth, a very synth heavy score, which he's known to dabble in. Uh, it's very methodical and very menacing. Uh, I, I, I was really into this score. Uh, apparently there is a lyric version of the theme song, which I have to look up. Oh my god. <laughs> But if you know John Carpenter, you know the Halloween. Dee, 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 dee. He's just a fucking awesome like score. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's like the song that's in Baccarat. Sounds like that also. Yeah, uh,
1: He's an uh, absolutely amazing music- musician. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's really. I didn't know for a long time and, that he uh, did all the music. Yeah, I mean, the music is so iconic. The music in Halloween, right? I mean, that's, that's John Carpenter. And just to Carpenter. think, like,
1: uh, he's directing these movies. Uh, he edited this movie as well. So, like, he has all these decisions in his head going on at the same time. Just a very, like, big flex of just being like, here's this movie that I made and at the the time it wasn't well received. It got a lot of play in like film festivals. It was big in uh, the United Kingdom. Uh, But then like people started like hearing about it and like, Oh wait, uh, this movie is gory. And like, like I said, like as action movies in the eighties became more like about one liners and looking at the camera, this was like held up as like, Oh wait, this was a, movie just as violent that didn't do that bullshit yeah i mean
0: it's a very well i mean it's i was actually thinking about a movie we talked about that you didn't like that i liked which is 1917
1: jack i want you to pay close attention to the following over the top eye
0: roll oh brother Because it was like, I mean, this is like the original action movie in some ways, right? But I was reading the original review from the 70s from the New York Times, and they were saying exactly what I had said about 1917. They were like, oh, Mr. Carpenter does a fantastic job of relaying a character and emotion through action and movement. And I was like, "That's what exactly what they're doing in 1917." Um, and I just thought, in both of these movies, did a very good job of doing that. It definitely has that like stilted, low-budget 1970s feel a lot of the times, where it's, people seem like unsure how to talk. You know, like some characters seem to not at all know how to mm-hmm. talk. But then there are honestly scenes that are like very well acted and like that are you're feeling real charisma between the characters. Oh yeah. Um, on you know, like Night of the Living Dead, for example, like you know, it's like a college movie or something, right? (laughs) Uh, Um, But this is great. I thought this was like much, much better along that scale of like older, you know, action mm -hmm. horror movies. You actually kind of could stand to hear them talk to each other (laughs) for a second, you know?
1: Uh, Yeah, it's not wasted dialogue when they do get to talk. Uh, It's also, uh, I love the way this movie was shot. It's, uh, I think it was, he said it was his first time using Panavision. So it's a lot of wide shots, Uh, not too much movement, but just like he fills the screen so much with just, Nice color, nice eyeline. Just everything is just so, like, gorgeously framed. Uh, yeah,
0: I mean, especially for, like, you're saying, for, like, an extremely cheap movie that yeah, like, on for the how fly. Budget, yeah. You know, like, I mean, when this is why he's gone on to be, like, a visionary director for the next, you know, four decades or whatever. It's uh, because you have nothing but your own skill, right? <laughs> everything technical is working against you so it really is like a crucible to find out if you know what you want to show like what are you even making a movie for you know what I mean like you have to have some kind of an animating idea um I will say thinking about the differences between these two movies um it was interesting to think about how the idea of a faceless murderous gang has completely turned on its head in the last, you know, 40 years since this movie came out. Because in this movie, obviously, it's a gang, right? It's a gang of criminals and who are just like driving around the streets, shooting people for fun, and then eventually, you know, murdering a bunch of people like for reasons we don't really know what they are, right? Uh, but it's to like to avenge a, that opening scene. to avenge the opening scene, right? But then it's <laughs> like it sort of seems like they're just they just happen to accidentally come to the police station because the dad leads yeah. them there. It doesn't seem like they were going to go to the police station. Before that, they were just gonna drive around and kill. They people. just really wanted to kill that dad. Right, I guess they really wanted to kill that dad.
1: Um, or oh, did that dad, they? That dad did. Or, that dad did kill one of them.
0: Right. Yeah. But then, is that why they were there, or was it just like they wanted to kill that dad? Yeah. But then maybe they were just like, oh, we just want to kill everybody, and there's a bunch of people in here. And I think we yeah. They, once they
1: realize that, like, oh wait, there's hardly anyone here. We can kill. Like they kill uh, within their first like five minutes of them showing up, they kill more than half of the people. Yeah, exactly. There.
0: Right. Um, but whereas by the time you get to Baccarat, the idea of what is a faceless gang of people that would murder people, it's like very rich white American oh, yeah. people yeah, little, like little who are that. sort of pseudo military. Like that is in reality, the kinds of people that go out and murder other people for no reason. Oh Sure.
1: Yeah, I think they did a good... John Carpenter did a good job of saying, like, they were from all races. Uh, he yeah, got, like, right. white people in there. Like, okay, good. He's not being racist here. He said, like, oh, it, it didn't have more of a cult feel to them, too.
0: Yeah, they were just, like, you know, they were just criminals. <laughs> they were just a big gang of thugs. But they weren't any particular race or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I thought... I was actually very grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Because in a lot of movies from this time period, they would have just all been black. Yeah. Like, you know.
1: Uh, But, man, I... It's so shocking when that girl first gets shot. I was honestly
0: not expecting it. I mean, obviously you can tell something bad is going to happen, but I was fully expecting the dad to get killed, and for then her to have to shelter at the station,
1: mm-hmm. and she even walks no, away, yeah, uh, and is safe. And yeah, I think I said her line already, but I'll say it again. Like, hey, this is regular vanilla. I wanted vanilla twist. Does it's, he shoot her through the ice cream? I th- he believe he does. And it's just someone who's yeah. like, oh, wait, he just shot her. And she doesn't fall down right away. And are like, what the fuck? And then she falls.
0: Yeah, I mean, dude, I have to say, like, as, you know, much like The Rock, I'm the father of a daughter. And it was, <laughs> like, rough to see. I was definitely, like, I wasn't expecting it. And when it happened, I was very upset
1: Mm, killing a child in movies is usually the set off point like i like there's no turning back from i mean it's such an easy trick
0: in a certain way right because it's like something everybody agrees is bad but i will once you're a parent like that that shit fucking works yeah that works really well
1: yeah even as a non-parent it worked on me
0: (laughs) i used to not care i used to not care i was like (laughs) whatever whatever but now that i have one of my own yeah that's that's fucked up dude let me tell you a sweet beautiful child The children who are so beautiful and precious.
1: Uh, God, so, up. uh, I pushed for doing assault on pre-sick 13 a little bit, just for the fact I haven't seen it. And I love John Carpenter movies. Uh, a lot of the reviews I read of back row cited John Carpenter. Uh, and I'm glad I watched. There's a lot of parallels between these two movies. The thing is still my number one. I fucking love the thing. That's shit's So good. Mm. Uh, Halloween. I have actually so never, good. I have actually never seen that Ooh, thing. Should watch. It the thing.
0: looks too scary for me. Oh,
1: it's so scary.
0: I don't like to be scared.
1: <laughs> it's so good. Um, but, uh, after, uh, seeing pre, Solemn pre-13, like, holy shit, this is one of his, like, he's again, like 28 years old doing this shit. Absolutely amazing. I,
0: mean, I cannot believe that. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah, crazy. Um, so yeah, Caleb, like, let's say that if you didn't pick which one of these movies you thought was best, you had to be locked in a room and fend off a- and dozens of murderous ooh, attackers. Ooh, ooh.
1: Do I get a gun? Or well,
0: I... maybe you have to get one from one of the attackers. Well, that's true.
1: Um, I like back a lot. I, uh, would recommend people seeing it in this time. Uh, Overall, it is a uh, more of a thinking man's movie, uh, more, than, more than it is an action movie, but it's still very much an action movie. <laughs> uh, and that like little muddled thing uh, kind of lists like, let's say drag. It's its only unique thing. It's like jazz music in that oh way. Oh my God, please. I cannot <laughs> fucking believe you just said that. Jesus Christ. Everything's jazz music. All
0: right, that's it. The podcast is canceled. I'm sorry. We won't be doing this anymore. Uh,
1: whereas uh, I'm going to pick Assault on Precinct 13. It's more of just a straightforward film uh that you don't realize is straightforward when you're watching it and then it fucking hits home and it's so satisfying as uh gets into its uh actual title of assault on preceptor thing yeah i mean i definitely
0: agree with everything you just said i think background is a very interesting movie and i think it's worth seeing um but I, I do think those kind of plot problems that i was bringing up they kind of tip the scales for me a little bit because it, it is genuinely confusing as to what and why has, things are happening at various points. I mean, not to be like a fucking ninny, like that's all I care about. Every, obviously, you everything doesn't a ninny.
1: have I can't believe you said ninny. Podcast nah, over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: fuck me. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, I, I I would definitely say Assault on Precinct 13 is a classic film. Very classic. And film. it's it's also modern, like...
1: but not really modern anymore because it '76.
0: It gets in and gets out very quickly, which I always appreciate. It's exactly an hour and thirty minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the first forty two minutes are set up and the next f- you know, forty seven minutes are payoff. Mm-hmm. And that or forty-eight minutes, and that is the whole movie. So like that's great. I think that's great. Uh, so I would definitely go with this all done precinct thirteen also. A rare instance that we pick the old movie. We almost always pick the new
1: movie. This is true. Not really. Maybe yeah, I you guess do. that's true. <laughs> Fuck you.
0: <laughs> uh, so I don't know. Yeah, I guess that's the show this week, man. Like, if the world still exists in two weeks, we'll be back again doing it in two weeks. You we know,
1: will. be there, be square.
0: Yeah. Okay. Goodbye. Bye, love
1: y'all. Which I forgot to say the little thing, uh, in the movie they say it's Precinct Nine Division Thirteen, <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. and I, re- I looked into that like why does it call it Salt and Precinct Thirteen? Um, he wanted to call it the Siege. He had some other titles for it. Exploitation films were the big films at that time. They had like long titles like that with like numbers on it, like Escape from Blood at Nine or something like that. Uh, and so the producers picked the title. <laughs>
0: oh my god! So the producers who didn't were apparently not familiar with the movie. <laughs> I mean that's that's some real shit for sure.